You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Our Lord Jesus Christ talked to us and said, When you fast, do not look gloomy like hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. Thank you, Rich, and good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to see you. Um, If you are a guest joining us, we're really glad that you're here. My name's Will, if we've never met before. And uh, as Rich said, we are working our way through uh, what we coin as the best sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we focus on this topic that's probably obscure for most of us. It's a topic on fasting. And so before we get anything at all, I just thought I I wanted to throw a couple resources your way just to make you aware of them that I think are helpful on this subject. Uh, So number one is a book called uh, A Hunger for God by by John Piper. This has been around for the past like 10 or 15 years or so. Very helpful resource if you're wanting to read a book on what fasting is all about. Another one that came out maybe about a year ago is from a pastor named Paul Washer. And it's a a little bit bigger because this is actually a workbook. And I've worked through like, half of it. So, you know, haven't made it all the way through, but a a really helpful way to process even like looking at scripture um, as you think about Hunger for God by John Piper and Understanding the Discipline of Fasting by Paul Washer. Uh, I'm keeping these this morning, but you can get on Amazon and you can find either of those. Uh, So let's let's pray together as we get ready to consider uh, God's word to us. So God, we just want to acknowledge in this, mor- in this moment, in this morning, that uh, every last person sitting in this room is deeply hungry and thirsty. God, we fill our lives with just quick fixes, a quick something to eat, a quick glance at the phone, uh, a quick look at an explicit image, um, a, a, a quick whatever it is to, to fill that hunger, and yet like salt water, it keeps us coming back for more and more. We're not filled. Lord, would you reveal to us our true hunger this morning? Our true thirst is for you. And we will not find satisfaction until we come to feast on you. God, you tell us that we cannot live by bread alone. Bread is not enough. What we need is the words that proceed from your mouth. Jesus, you tell us that you are the the bread of life that has come down from heaven. You tell us that you offer us living waters that will satisfy our thirsts uh, eternally. And so as hungry and thirsty people, living God, would you fill this room this morning and satisfy our longings, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I feel like I've been tasked with really calling you to do the two hardest things that Christians are called to do. So last week was forgiveness, and then this week, 
fasting, okay? And, and I would actually guess that this one may be harder. If I were to tell some of you like, hey, um, you know, pick which one you want, or you can skip lunch today. Many of you would all of a sudden have just this compassion and kindness and mercy that you just didn't know was inside of you. Uh, because for us, food is incredibly important. Fasting, therefore, is a difficult thing for us to come to grips with, to, to go uh, without food. And of course, you can fast other things, and I, I think that's helpful, but the main focus of fasting is food. And as a result of it being such a difficult topic for us, many of us don't ever think about fasting. Maybe there's some of you in this room that have never fasted food before at all. And that's not a guilt trip. That's just an acknowledgement of where many of us come to uh, on this subject. And it's hard for us, I think, for a couple reasons. Number one, here's why fasting is hard for us. As modern people, just frankly, our lives revolve around food, Okay. Uh, you know, someone once said that, that in previous generations that they would uh, eat in order to live. We, in fact, live in order to eat. That is what our, our lives are so centered on. I mean, our probably most predominant question that we wake up asking is, what am I going to eat today? Some of you are pondering that in your chairs right now. After church, what am I going to eat? Many of our uh, holidays and, uh, you know, gatherings are all centered around food. Like some of you will go watch the playoffs later today, and you will not just sit there and watch the TV. There will be pizza, wings, all of that, because even our events are sort of commemorated and celebrated with food. Uh, and I, I'd acknowledge that I'm just at a point in my life, maybe you're at the same, where I plan my vacations <laughs> around what food options are along the way, especially if we are uh, considering barbecue options. Like the whole trip is kind of based around that. So, so fasting, of course, is hard for us as modern people because food is such a central aspect to our lives. But the other reason I think fasting is very hard for us is because we don't actually understand the purpose of fasting. This was huge for me when I began fasting. So I was, uh, after high school, joined this Christian internship uh, where I began fasting, not because I wanted to be obedient to God's word, but because they required it and there was no food available at the, at the place. And so it was a day uh, fast that you did to kind of really seek the Lord. And I'll just tell you <clears throat> very frankly that I hated fasting during, during those times, okay? I remember on one occasion, my mom would send me sometimes these care packages with like candy and different things while I was in this internship. And I remember waking up one Monday morning and doing the same as many of you do. I went straight for that care package and got a Butterfinger out. And uh, I started eating it. And I hear out of the corner of my ear, my roommate yelling, what are you doing? Not because I was eating candy first thing in the morning. That was normal. Uh, they, they yelled, what are you doing? Because it was a fasting day. And so I ran to the trash can. I spit it out. I'm brushing my teeth. And I spent the totality of that day of fasting bitter that I had wasted this candy bar on this day uh, that, that I was required to fast. The three-day fast that we had to do, my whole like mentality during the entire time is just get through it. So I would sleep as much as I could during it. And when I wasn't sleeping, I was, I was daydreaming about these uh, rolls that were offered <clears throat> at this restaurant up the road for uh, the appetizer uh, that, that was there. And uh, that's kind of how I made it through uh, that period. So I hated fasting initially, but here's the deal. As I started slowly engaging with the practice of fasting, I actually began to understand, oh, okay, this is what the actual purpose is. 
as I would take times and, and, and begin to really engage my, my heart and my mind with God on these times of not eating food, what I saw happen in my own soul was me meeting God in ways that I'd never experienced before or me uh, being burdened by things that burden God in ways that I had never been burdened for, feeling the weight of the things that God cares about in this world through that. I found myself, as I understood the purpose of fasting, experiencing a hunger for the presence of God in ways that I had message. I would love for you, as followers of Jesus, to experience the power of fasting. But in order to experience the power of fasting, you have to understand the purpose of fasting. Why do we fast? Why is this a discipline that, that we engage in? Uh, in order to understand that or to experience the power, we have to hit that purpose. And let's just look back at the passage and just acknowledge that this is something that Jesus expects that his followers uh, are going to be engaged in. So it says, and when you fast. So of course we recognize with that, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, if you fast, here's what you should do. But when you fast, like in other words, this should be something that, that perhaps plays a role in your life. And then he gets to, to the bottom, kind of the, the purpose behind it, uh, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. What I want to look at this morning is what is that reward? Or in other words, what is the, what is the, the, what do we gain out of fasting or what's the purpose behind all of it? So that's the, that's the driving question that we're going to look at this morning. Why do we fast? Uh, I want to look at first two reasons why you should not fast. So bad reasons to fast. And then I want to look at four reasons why you should fast. What, what I, I think you will get out of it. Okay. So number one, why should you not fast? Well, a bad reason would be to do it to get attention. And when you're fasting and you're feeling pretty miserable, you're going to want some quick like uh, dopamine, some sort of response, you know, so people recognizing that you're fasting and how spiritual you are, that might be something that you would be tempted to do. Uh, but that is the point that Jesus is after again, again, and again, and again in chapter six. So the beginning of the chapter, don't give your money in order to get attention. In the middle of the chapter, don't pray to get attention. And then finally here, don't fast in order to get attention from people. The Pharisees in Jesus' day fasted at least twice a week. And it appears from what Jesus is saying, when they fasted, they wanted to make sure everyone knew about it. So I love the dramatic uh, expressions that are seen here. So he says, don't, be, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces. I don't know what their faces looked like. I would have loved to see what a fasting face looked like. But, you know, they, they'd come up, you know, uh, average, a little heavy today. Is everything okay? Oh, uh, well, bless God. I haven't eaten breakfast yet today, but, uh, you know, I'm taking this day to seek the Lord. Uh, it, with that bread, if you could just draw, I just would love to smell it if I could to help me get through the day because this is so heavy and so hard and so miserable. Jesus is saying, no, don't, don't make it known. Let, let it be a secret. In other words, if you're going to fast, do it so the only person who knows about it is God himself. Don't do it to get attention. Now, I think it is possible to go too far with this, to basically think to yourself, as I have before, if I fast and someone just happens to find out about it, it's ruined. So when I'm facing a day that I've said that I'm going to fast on, my mind is flooded with excuses not to do it. And so I'll, I'll be like, all right, next Wednesday, I'm going to fast. I'll put it in the calendar. I think that's helpful to do it like in advance because you're not going to want to when you hit that day. And then I'll, I'll realize before like, oh man, I have a lunch meeting that day. 
and I wouldn't want them to know that I'm fasting. So I'll just fast another time. When, uh, or like maybe earlier in my walk, I'd have some spiritual answer like, hey, like, aren't you, uh, you know, getting anything to eat today? And what? Well, I have uh, food to eat that you know not of. Or, uh, you know, uh, my, my bread is to do the will of him who sent me, as, as, as Jesus said, and kind of over-spiritualize it. When all that's needed in that moment is just like, oh, hey, no, I'm, I'm good on lunch today. Like, I'm fine. Let, let's just keep the conversation going. Like, if people find out, it doesn't mean that it's ruined. It just means don't make the point of it making, uh, making it a show. So number one, a bad reason to fast is to get attention. Another bad reason to fast is the second. Okay, so uh, we're gonna get to the purpose of fasting in, in just a second, uh, but just not eating, that's not fasting, that's starving, okay? Uh, there, there's gotta be something on the other end of this. Just going your day without food, uh, maybe you can do that to get into ketosis. If that's what you do, that's fine, but, that, but that's not what fasting is about. As some have said before, we fast from food in order that we might feast on the goodness of God. It's not just foregoing food, it's doing it for some specific purposes, which I wanna get in with you now. So why then, those are good reasons not to fast. Why should we fast? What are motivations popular as, as modern people think about fasting? This was something that was maybe more, more common in previous generations. But, but actually, one great reason to fast is to identify with the poor is to identify with the poor. So generally when we think of fasting, we think of the sort of vertical benefits of the spiritual benefits that we get out of it. And that's certainly true. We're gonna get to those in a second. But there's actually a way in which our fasting can be a means of uh, God connecting us to people who are living in poverty. And I would love to show you that over in Isaiah chapter 58, verse six, if you could turn with me over there. Isaiah 58, verse six. Here, uh, God is speaking to his people about fasting, and I, I want us to hear what he has to say. God says, is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Verse seven, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself uh, from your own flesh, then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall, speed up, shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. So here's what God is doing in this passage. He's confronting the people of Israel, but not because of their sin. God's confronting the people of Israel because they have this show of righteousness. They're fasting and seeking the Lord while they are completely blinding themselves to people who are in their, in, in their midst uh, who are impoverished. And what he's saying is that a purpose of fasting isn't just to forego food, but perhaps to take what you would have eaten and share it with someone who was in need. That's what verse summoned by a pastor in the Falls Church area that uh, you know, was talking to a friend who's uh, an investment banker in New York, who's also a believer. And he would go on these trips and get these crazy per diems, like a couple hundred dollars a day to eat food on these business trips that he would go on. And uh, you know, he was shared with his friend, like, yeah, like, I'll, I'll get something for lunch. And then there's like $100 left over for dinner. And I'm just not even that hungry, which that was weird to me that you wouldn't still be hungry afterwards. But nonetheless, he's like, no, I'm just good. I just kind of skip it. And so uh, my pastor friend, oh, that's awesome. So do you get to keep that money? Like, do you save it? Do you go on vacation with it? And he's just simply responding and saying, no, I actually just give it away. 
The money that I would have used to, to eat with, I, I, just, I, I just give it away. And so this would just be my challenge for, for maybe some of you in this room as you think about fasting. What would it look like to maybe have some kind of regular pattern where you take money, let's just say you go to Chipotle every Wednesday, hypothetically, right, for lunch, and you spend $10 there. Well, if every Wednesday you just said, hey, I'm skipping lunch, I'll eat breakfast and dinner, I'm skipping lunch, I'm gonna save that $10. In a year's time, you'd have over $500 that you could give to, to someone. So maybe at the end of the year, after doing that, you give that to, to a family uh, who's in need around Christmas time, or you give that to a pregnancy uh, help center, or uh, you give that to a food bank where they're, they're getting uh, food for the hungry. And in this way, you take what you would have eaten and you give it to someone who's in need. And it, it does something, I think, very powerful for us in the long run. So for many of us, maybe we're like unconcerned with people who are impoverished uh, because uh, we just sort of lack empathy with what their experience might be like. But when I skip lunch and my stomach hurts and my head hurt, I have a headache, then I have an actual tangible experience of, oh, this is what it's like to be hungry. I'm not just helping people who are perhaps poor. I'm physically experiencing in my own body what it's like to go without. You just don't and really uh, normally having empathy, uh, care, concern for people that maybe you just don't really uh, normally think that much about. And really, friends, this is what Jesus has done for us in the gospel. Because in our need of help, Jesus didn't just send aid to us the one of us and experienced in his own body the different struggles that we face in our own bodies. He was tempted as we are. He experienced poverty. He experienced hunger. He experienced homelessness. Uh, he experienced uh, abandonment and suffering and all the pains that you experience in your life. Jesus entered into and carried with us in the midst of our salvation. As we fast, in recognition of people who are uh, not as well off as we are, people who are in poverty, we're having a, a similar kind of experience in and of ourselves. So number one, why, why should we fast? We should, we should fast to identify with, to build empathy with the poor. A second reason we might wanna fast is because we have an urgent need before God. So uh, this pastor named Paul Washer, I heard him give this illustration years ago, and it's kind of uh, intense, but I think it captures the point. Let's just say, you have been planning a vacation for years, okay? You've been saving money. You've been accumulating time off. Uh, you ha have been waiting, daydreaming for years for this vacation, and the day is finally here. You cannot get off work, wait to get off work, uh, so you can go to the airport and get out and experience this vacation. You are as excited as you've ever been before. And then on the way to the car, you're about to open the door, and as you're getting into the car, you notice one of your children collapses and is unconscious. At that moment, what is entering your mind? Oh, dang it, I wonder if we can still go on vacation. Oh, of course not. This, can a grandparent help out here? I wonder how long this is gonna take. No, of course not. This now much greater reality that's in your life has eclipsed the desire for the pleasurable experience of vacation. You're all of a sudden thinking to yourself, if someone were to ask you, hey, so what about the trip? You have an urgent need for God and we forego food. Essentially what we're saying is this, how could I think about food at a time like this? 
How could, I, how could I give energy and engagement into simply feeding my flesh when something so pressing, so urgent has happened? What we're saying there is I could eat, but set, set that aside. I wanna give all of my energy, all of my thoughts, all of my heart into this pressing, significant need in front of me. So I can give you a few biblical examples of that. So for example, in 1 Samuel, there's this woman, Hannah, who doesn't have a child. And she's in the temple and she's praying and she decides to fast, to add to her prayers, to bring this urgent desire. God, would you give me a child? And through that, Samuel, the prophet, was born. Uh, David, actually, there's a Psalm, Psalm 35, 13, that shows David fasting for the urgent need of his sick friends. So uh, Psalm 35, 13, it says, but when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with my head bowed on my chest. So when David had an urgent need of sick friends who'd say, forget about food, all of my attention. How could I think about food at a time like this? All of my attention is going towards this need. Uh, another example, maybe, maybe the urgent need you have is sort of a big decision or a big change in your life. So when Jesus is getting ready to appoint the 12 apostles, uh, it, it doesn't record him fasting food, but the night before he stayed up all night praying for that de decision, fully engaging himself in the urgency of these men who were going to be appointed as apostles. When Paul uh, appointed elders in Acts chapter 14, verse 23, it says, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Paul recognizes in appointing elders and getting ready to leave the church that he had planted that, wow, this is an urgent matter. We need to fast and really seek God in the midst of it. And then perhaps the greatest need or the greatest request that we should be bringing before the Lord regularly is that the gospel would be, continue to expand in, the, in Antioch in Acts chapter 3, honor Jesus and be saved from their sins. So we see the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13, verses two and three doing the following. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. What's the urgent longing that this church in Antioch had? That more places will hear the good news of Jesus. And so they, they urgently fast that God would do that. And as a result, Paul and Barnabas are sent out in order to uh, go and carry out that need. So when there's an urgent pressing need in our life, fasting is a great way to engage with that. And there's this principle you see operating in the Bible as it pertains to our prayers and our prayer requests. Regularly, you hear things like, when you seek me with all of your heart, our heart is the place where our desires live. And we've got a whole bunch of them, don't we? We've got desires for food. We've got desires for people in India to hear the gospel. We've got desires for our kids to be saved. Like we could go down that. We've got a desire for who's gonna win this after. Like other desires. We have tons of desires. When we fast, what we're saying is shut out every other desire. I'm fully focusing on this one, engaging all of my heart in this request as an act of urgency and desperation for God to move. So that, that's the second reason, okay? Number one, to identify with the poor. Number two, because of an urgent need uh, that, that we have. Number three, we should fast to awaken hunger 
for God. We should fast to awaken hunger for God. So you've got lots of hungers and thirsts in your life. The greatest hunger that you have, that is the greatest desire you have. And there's actually a parallel that God has created to help us understand how we hunger for him in the way that we hunger for food. So there's lots of examples in the Bible where a psalmist, for example, will say something that should be applied to food or water, but they apply it to their desire for God. Let me give you this example in, um, uh, it's Psalm 63. So, so Psalm, in Psalm 63, the psalmist uh, says, uh, my, my soul thirsts for you. Uh, my, my flesh faints for you uh, as, a, as a, in, a, in a place of a dry and weary land where there is no water. And then later in verse five, he says, my soul shall be satisfied as with rich and, and fat food. That's, that's the, the longing that I, that I have here. And I think uh, John Piper points this out in his book on fasting, that one of the reasons that God made bread or made uh, water is so that you could know what your soul hungers for. So go a day without eating anything and feel the, the sickness, the weariness, the longing. What this is saying is essentially that's what your soul is like for God. You, you, are, you long for him deep within you as though uh, like you, I'm preaching too long and you're really hungry for lunch. That's, that's the kind of longing that you have here. Here's, here's the question or the challenge we have to face. Why don't we feel that longing very much. Why can we go days, weeks, months, maybe years with no sort of experience of longing or desperation for God? Why don't we feel that hunger? It's probably because you anesthetize that deeper hunger with quick fixes that just get you through quick meal or that quick glance at your phone or that quick purchase. We anesthetize our deepest longings by just having trivial little longings on the surface. Fasting is a way of saying, God, remove all these little uh, numbing uh, things that I have in my life so that I can actually experience the true hunger that I have for you. Awaken within me the longing that I have for your presence by removing all of these temporary quick fixes because they're obviously not satisfying me. And so when you fast, what, what, this is gonna be the experience when you begin to engage in it. You'll, you'll fast and initially, this is what's gonna be in your head. Why am I doing this? Uh, your, your body is gonna be screaming out against it. Stop, uh, it's been long enough, feed me. And, and you're gonna feel kind of miserable and tired. But then if you stay at it long enough and you allow yourself, even in the midst of that weariness to say, forget it, I don't care, I'm gonna stand up, I'm gonna read the Bible, I'm gonna call out to God, I'm gonna sing, I'm gonna seek him. Here's what'll happen. All of a sudden, all that longing for food begins to vanish and you begin to encounter the presence of God. And, and you begin to realize this is what I've been longing for all of my life. And you come to a place where you were starving before and all of a sudden you're not even thinking about food anymore. It's, it's now on the back burner. It's not even something that you're thinking of because you've now encountered the deepest longing of your soul. And as you encounter that longing, it's being filled with the God that you long for. The problem is we are just so quick to fill our life with any quick in our life that we don't ever engage the true deepest hunger that we have in our life. 
as we fast food, as we turn off our phone, uh, as, as we shut off just quick pleasures, it awakens within us the longing that we have for God. That's a good reason to fast. So number one, to identify with the poor. Number two, because you have an urgent need in your life. Number three, so that you can uh, awaken the hunger that you have for God. And then finally, number four, you fast so that you can become intentionally weak. You ever think about intentionally becoming weak? Of course, we're told naturally, even culturally, well, to be at your best, you need to be strong. Uh, you need to be on your A game, well-fed, well-slept, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, good self-care days, all of that. that. That's what you need in order to be strong and healthy. And there, there's a place and a time for all of that. But actually, when you intentionally put yourself in a place of weakness, or maybe God intentionally puts your life in a place of weakness, what you open yourself up to is the opportunity to experience true strength that is not your own. Would you turn over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12? Here's a description of what happens when you fast or what, what can be a result of your fasting. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine. Paul saying, Jesus speaking to him says the following, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Why? Because when I'm weak, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When you fast, you have this experience of shutting down your, your physical strength, your physical resources, so that a strength that is not your own can now rest upon your life. The world we live in is gonna tell you, hey, in order to be strong, consume, fill yourself up. There are times where there's a level of strength we need where what we don't need is more consumption, we need fasting, we need deprivation, we need to be emptied so that a power that is not our own can rest upon our lives because when we are weak, then we're strong. Then we're strong. The world we live in will tell you consume in order to be what Jesus says concerning our uh, consumption. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man or a woman if they gain the whole world? What does it profit a man or woman if they are well-fed every meal? What does it profit a man or a woman if they eat at every fine restaurant in their region? What does it profit us if we gain the whole world yet forfeit our soul? Man, we have been raised and nurtured to, to fill every desire that we have at every possible time. Anytime we're uncomfortable, anytime we're hungry, anytime we need something, immediately fill it. Jesus says, no, deny yourself 
and follow me. Come and find where true life is found in him. That doesn't mean there aren't times for feasts and celebrating. That's of course the case. But there are times where God calls us not to immediately seek a quick fix of pleasure in our life, but to deny ourselves that we might have more of him. Remembering, of course, that Jesus will never ask you to deny more for him than he's already denied for you. Jesus at times calls us to deny perhaps temporary pleasures, food, maybe sleep. For the sake of your salvation, Jesus was denied of his very own life. Jesus denied his, his own ability to live so that you might be saved from your sins. And so communion is a tangible up his cross and denied himself everything for you. Hear what it says concerning the meal we're about to take. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As you all get ready to take communion this morning, remember that you are proclaiming the Lord's death as you take those elements. You are tangibly consuming the representation of Jesus' body and blood given for you. Jesus denied everything that you, he might have you. From time to time, he may invite you to deny some things in this world that you might have more of him. And you can be sure you will always gain more than what you denied when you do it for his sake. Amen? Hey, if you're here this morning and you've never personally experienced the salvation that Jesus offered, you've never personally said, Jesus, I uh, want you to take your life for me and I now want to follow you. I don't uh, want you to take communion. I want to invite you to, to not participate in, in this meal as we believe that it is for those who've forsaken a life of sin and given their lives to Jesus. What I would have you consider this morning if you're not walking with the Lord today is this incredible truth. There is not a thing in this world that will satisfy you in the deepest places of your life. You will not ever be truly happy by getting the next purchase, the next relationship, the next uh, trip, the next job, the next house, whatever. Nothing in your life because of the rebellion against God in your life. You don't have any access to him. You have no access to the one who can satisfy you for what you're truly looking for. But Jesus gave his life on that cross to pay for your sin so that you can now finally find the satisfaction that you're looking for in him. So if you're far from God this morning, would you come near? Would you hear the invitation from God himself to come near, to receive what he's done for you, and to even now as we sing, to lift your hands in worship as an expression of calling out to him. So let me pray for us now, and uh, let me just invite you as we now engage this time to 
just fully focus our, our hearts on the Lord. So God, that's, that's what we wanna do right now, even with the time that we have remaining. I think our minds right now are probably quick to run to something outside of this room that's gonna make us happy today. Uh, getting a nap, getting something to eat, uh, maybe a purchase that we've been thinking about, maybe a relationship that we really long for. God, would you allow us right now to just shut that out and to say, God, what we most long for is you. Our souls thirst for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. God, there is no water for our soul on this planet. Only you will satisfy us. So God, we come running after you, seeking the satisfaction that you offer. And we pray that you would show us what it looks like in our lives to, at times, fast things, cut things out of our lives that we might have more of you. To do these things, we pray in Jesus' name.